0: Okay, sorry, terrible impression of Princess Bride, but we are, we're talking about marriage and specifically, I want to talk about the one thing that is guaranteed to help your marriage, but it doesn't just apply to marriage. So if you're not in a marital relationship right now, that's okay. This has applications for you as well. This summer, my husband Grant and I celebrated our sweet 16, 16 years of being married and it feels like it's flying by and it's super weird to think that that's a really long time, but it honestly doesn't feel like it. I don't know for any of you guys that have been married for longer amounts of time, 15 years or more, it's like past, you know, year five or seven, it all just kind of feels the same, which I love and it's great. Um, but yeah, so we celebrated 16 years and it's been amazing. I can tell you unequivocally the last two years of our relationship has been the best. Um, you know, the first year was amazing as well, but who we are, who we're becoming, how we're growing old together, how we're forging a life into adulthood is just there's really nothing better. So all right, enough of the Ushi Gushy stuff. Um if you know my story and if you heard my previous podcast, last year I did an episode, I believe it was called how I learned to love my marriage or something like that. And I talked a lot about the process of choosing a godly marriage and really renewing my own heart towards that. But, you know, I grew up uh, with a fairly cynical perspective of marriage for various reasons, And I did not want to be married until I was like 30. My plan was to go out and live my life and then succumb to the bondage of marriage for the sake of having children. That's kind of how I looked at it. Not great, but uh, that's what happened. And I met my husband and geez, I wouldn't say he swept me off my feet because it wasn't really like that, but it was just like I knew I didn't want to be without him. And it made sense. We were best friends for a couple years before we started dating. And so... What that does in your dynamic, or at least I assume because I don't know any other way, is it kind of makes the stability and the internal framework of your relationship have the bedrock of best frienddom, best frienddom, best, best friendedness, however that makes sense to say. And so I remember our first year and two of marriage where we would go in and out between these moments where I would feel like the lead in a Hallmark movie. I would feel like there was, you know, choirs singing around me and I would just feel so overwhelmed with how in love with this person that I was. And then inevitably, a short time after, I would no longer feel that way. Sometimes it would be negative feelings, but more often than not, I described it as... It felt like we would move in and out from like lovers to roommates and kind of back and forth from that. And I didn't know. I didn't have a lot of friends. In fact, I had almost no friends that were married when we got married. Uh, And so I didn't know. Is that normal? Was that, you know, a problem? Was that a sign of doom? I didn't know. And so what I did was I began to uh, seek out some counsel. And our church at the time had a counselor who was full-time on staff. And I said, can I have a session with you and just kind of pick your brain about marriage? And she said, sure. So what she told me in this session has actually become one of the most important things that we've done in our marriage. And as of course, as you're reflecting around an anniversary time, I started realizing, I don't think I've ever talked about this much with people, especially not on the podcast. And I think it's something that would be really helpful for you. So here we go. This one thing I get, I believe it is guaranteed to help your marriage. And what I love about it is that it supersedes personality. It supersedes economic status. It, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have any discriminate discrimination. Oh my gosh, it doesn't have any discrimination. So as long as you are a human being, this principle will work for you, not just in your marriage, but in most, if not all of your relationships. So this is what this counselor said to me. She said, Rachel, you know, the human being, the, the human person is not capable of maintaining 100% physical, emotional, mental intimacy with anything. It's not capable to constantly be in that state. And uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. And she said, so we do go through these, these motions. And she drew on the whiteboard in her office. And I wish I could show you this. Maybe I'll post a picture on my social media of this. So um, check it out at Rachel Wortman on Instagram and uh, Rachel Wortman on Facebook, and you can see a picture of what I'm describing. But basically, draw for yourself a small wavy line, uh, you know, left to right, a small wavy line that's horizontal. And then draw one directly below it that uh, meets and then disperses. So basically, the lines are moving together and then away and then together and away. And so they're forming two wavy lines like that. That's the picture that she drew. And she said, this is what a healthy marriage looks like that there are absolutely times where there's tremendous amount of intimacy. And I'm not just talking about sex, I'm talking about vulnerability between each other, being the the freedom to truly be your authentic self, um, accepting each other and your weaknesses and failures, emotional intimacy, connectedness. I'm talking about the whole thing. Those are the parts where the lines are meeting together where there's very little distance between them. And she said, but what will happen because we are humans Is after a period of time that will begin to move away and our job if we want to have a healthy marriage is to do two things to identify when the distance is coming in and then identify what we can do to draw us back to each other so there's two main components of how to do this identify when and identify what you can do about it so let's talk about some examples As she began to unpack for me, she basically said when you sense you're moving away or in the language that I was using earlier, when you sense that you're going from lovers into roommates, that's an indicator for you to begin the process that you know brings you closer together. You know, on that Apollo movie, I don't know if it was 11 or 13, uh, the old movie, maybe Tom Hanks was in it. I don't know. The details are fuzzy, but you know, they're they're having to get around the moon and all the astronauts are figuring out they don't have enough power to orbit around the moon. So they have this crazy idea where if they can get to this certain point, gravity will fling them around the moon and send them back home so the astronauts can be lo- not lost in space. <laughs> Brilliant, right? And it's, it's an amazing scene, an epic scene. This is what it's like in our marriage. When we begin to recognize we're distancing then we do the things we know unite us together and it's almost like a gravitational pull to pull you back together so what kinds of things are things that you enjoy with your spouse it could be going on walks doing a puzzle which would not be the case in my marriage it could be uh going out to eat going on a date um You know, maybe it's crocheting together. Maybe it's watching TV together. It doesn't have to be glamorous or big or even costly. It's just something you know that you enjoy doing together. So when you start to sense a distance, you kick into what mode and you begin to do the thing that you know helps you move together. Does this make sense? Here's where it gets a little bit wonky. Most of the time when we sense the distance happening or again, what I was calling moving into roommate mode, then usually or often we begin to nitpick the other person. It's like the blame sets in you know, and it almost has that feeling of well, I'm not doing anything different. So it must be that you are withdrawing from me and depending on who's withdrawing, that might be valid. But when we move away and then we add offense into it, the degree of distance amplifies. So we have this challenge now where we have to overcome offense, where we have to overcome hurts, maybe even wounds, and that takes a lot more effort to come back to the meeting point. What I began to realize when I started implementing this into my marriage was that my tendency, just to be completely honest, my tendency was to feel like you're not capable of showing me the kind of love that I want to feel. It was like my own neediness projecting onto him and it just, you know, made everything really murky. And then of course, now that I've said rude things, it's created a bigger distance. And then now that that distance is growing, then more offense comes. And now all of a sudden, instead of a wavy line, your trajectory on your line is straight down. And to bring that back around requires the astronauts at NASA, like in the Apollo movie. So what we're shooting for is small ripples. That doesn't always happen. There's gonna be things in life that create bigger ripples. And when you have a bigger ripple, There's a couple of things you can do. The first one is remember to forgive. I saw this quote, I posted it on my Instagram. This was several weeks ago now, but it was about marriage and it blew me away. And it said, sometimes, if not always, our biggest need in marriage, what we find to be our biggest fault with our spouse, is actually our greatest need as a person. And when we begin to recognize that, it kind of speaks to last week's episode about the three sides to the story, when we begin to recognize that maybe it's not just a flaw that you have, but it's a tremendous need that I have, the story of our marriage takes on a different narrative where we can begin to look at how we get our needs met. Now I believe in marriage there are certain needs that our spouse is supposed to meet for us, but it's never supposed to take the place of Jesus. So it is possible for you, even if your marriage feels hopeless, to create a relationship with Jesus where your needs are getting met and the burden on your spouse decreases. And as that burden begins to decrease and the pressure is relieved because now it's getting met even in small ways from the Lord or maybe big ways, now you can begin to present that not as their flaw, but as a need that you have. And out of a place of a small ripple pattern of an intimate connection, you can begin to talk about what it looks like to have your needs met. I hope you can understand that's like an entirely different plane of thinking. So... I'm sure about now, some of you guys are thinking, you don't know my husband or you don't know my wife. You know, they're they're not into this kind of stuff. This isn't going to work. When I learned this ripple pattern deal, I shared it with my husband who is excellent in so many different ways. And he'd probably be slightly offended at me saying this, but he knows that I've said this before. (laughs) But his emotional intelligence is not as high as his business intelligence and his, um, you know, academic intelligence and all those other things. And so it's not to say that he doesn't have emotional intelligence, but he does not really enjoy psychology kind of stuff. He doesn't enjoy personal like personality tests, stuff like that. So I say this to him, this whole ripple effect thing, and he's like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And what I realized was if this is gonna work for us, it's going to be because I initiate the return when I recognize the distance. Here's the thing I want you to understand. That's okay. You can actually have a great marriage if it's only one of you doing this particular thing. Now, of course, a truly healthy marriage requires both people invested and making steps towards one another. But what I'm talking about in this particular ripple effect analogy is it works even if it's just one person recognizing the win and stepping into the what you can do about it. I just say this with complete transparency. I love my husband. I love Jesus even more. I want to have a marriage that reflects the kingdom. And so I'm not jaded or frustrated when I'm the one who has to initiate this. I don't believe that a healthy marriage is 100% of the time everything is initiated by the husband. That's an unfair burden on them. Can't can't we agree on that, ladies? And I'm sure the men are already amening. And so the thing about this is that you can do it regardless of even telling your spouse about it and it will be helpful for you. So let me give you another sort of pro tip. This is a true insider pro tip to marriage kind of stuff. When I was in my first year or two of being married, um, my mentor at the time said this to me and I'll never forget it and you'll probably never forget me saying it to you uh, uh, either. But she said, you know, Rachel, sex is a form of spiritual warfare. And I was like, that is the weirdest thing ever. But the more I thought about it and the more I understood it, I began to understand it's true. In the context of a marriage, sometimes we're just at odds with each other. It's kind of more than the roommates thing. It's like we're just not seeing eye to eye with life. And in those moments when we make the conscious choice to come together and have sex, to be intimate, to come close to each other, it actually becomes like spiritual warfare because we're saying to ourselves and to the atmosphere around us, we value our union. Now, of course, I'm not saying that you force yourself on someone. Of course, that's not what we're talking about. But there's definitely been times in marriage where it's like, I just don't like you. I'm frustrated about this, but I'm making the choice to break that cycle. And how I'm going to do that is by being intimate with you and shifting the atmosphere of our relationship. And every time that has been the intention, it has worked beautifully because we're challenging ourselves to come towards one another instead of what the enemy wants to do to move us away from each other. My recommendation for you to have a great marriage is to do whatever you can to focus on the good things that God has put into your relationship and do whatever you can to lessen the burden of the flaws that you see in the other person. When I began to do this, my marriage began to change. I had a night where I was just really hurting and frustrated and broken And I was laying in bed, uh, trying to go to sleep, just thinking over the hurts that I was feeling. And I felt like Jesus said to me, would you let me be your husband? And I said to him, I don't know, Lord, because you gave me a husband. I'd rather you just fix him, you know. And the Lord began to really challenge me and said, if you'll let me, I would like to meet these needs for you. And the crazy thing about this, this was like, I think year nine or 10, year 10 of our marriage. So it's been a while ago now. When I began to let God deal with that place in my heart, the burden and the pressure began to leak out kind of very slowly at first, but eventually it almost felt like the pressure was completely emptied. Now, I still enjoy the things um, the, the needs that I have, you know, I'm a gifts person. I still need gifts in my life for my husband, stuff like that. But the the connection to this perpetual wounding that something was wrong with us and that we didn't have a good marriage because I didn't have these needs met. All of that was dispelled because I let Jesus deal with my heart and take the burden off of my husband and put it onto God. And the crazy thing is then God is transforming him and it's not me making it happen, which is even better. So, okay, let me say one other note about this and then we'll wrap up for today. And it's this, this principle of the ripple effect works in your relationship with God as well. It works in your relationship with your friends. Although I think that the, the rhythms of the ripples probably go larger with friendships, but with God, God's ripple line stays a hundred percent straight. God is capable because he's not a human. So he is capable of maintaining 100% connection with you at all times. He is doing this whether you're aware of it or not. We, on the other hand, go on these swings where we feel aware of his closeness, where we feel close to him, and then we kind of go around the moon like the Apollo astronauts and we feel distant from him. God is not changing. It's us that are coming in and out of the awareness of his presence. And so when we will practice this in our spiritual lives, it actually will revolutionize your relationship with God. Do the when and the what self-identification and it will help you so much. When is is a matter of self-reflection. It's a matter of saying, wow, I feel like I'm beginning to feel distant from God And so I've identified that and now I'm going to do something about it. What can I do that I know is going to bring me back into the presence of the Lord? For me, one of the go-to things that I love to do is journaling, like a big thought purge right onto the pages. And I know that if I'm ever feeling distant from God, that's my go-to. It will bring me back into a close presence with him. I do journal at other times as well, but that's one of the two things that I can be guaranteed is going to help me. Um, And so you need to be able to identify those and then quite simply do them. So this is my challenge for you. How do you make the ripples in your life smaller? What can you do? Only things that you can control, right? So we're not putting this on anybody else. We're taking the ownership of it. But what can you do to keep those ripple effects smaller and bring yourself closer into uh, a more dynamic relationship with your spouse and also with God. I'm praying for you. I'd encourage you to just pause this podcast at the end, take a moment to self-reflect, write it down on your notes or on a piece of paper uh, in your car, if you're like me, you got plenty of it sitting around. And um, yeah, and write it down so that you can remember because the knowing is only half of it, right? We gotta actually do it. All right, you guys, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the best marriages, kingdom marriages, those who are filled with people who love Jesus, the marriages of people who love Jesus. They're supposed to be the most intoxicating and the best that there is. So uh, if you are married to a believer and you're a believer and your marriage is struggling, press into God because his intention for you is to have an incredible relationship. So I'm praying for you, thinking about you. And until next time, be blessed.